man, I I forgot about that, honestly. <laughs> you know what I said today? Glenn's like, what? Where are we in the game? He was outside doing some work. And I'm like, uh, he's like, first quarter, second quarter. I'm like, um, uh, first quarter. And then I was like, and then they showed that it was the second quarter. And I'm like, second period. And he's like, great. Who's in net? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I said, who dove it? And he's like, fabulous. <laughs> Bravo, Glenn. That's some seamless handling of that. <laughs> and you too. That's that's fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what happened. It was just like I got my days all confused or something. Well, I walked in a little bit late um, because I decided to go grocery shopping today, which was a mistake. <laughs> it's barely in topic. Podcast for Boston Bruins fans by Boston Bruins fans. Welcome to Berlin Topic, episode 310. Oh! <laughs> yes. No, no, it is, it is. I know it's 310. I I don't know how I know, but I know. Um. So, yeah. So, I'm here with Jeff and Tim. Tim, who's under the weather, so you should uh, make sure that you check in on him this week to see if he's okay and if he'll tweet back at you. Yeah, if I'm alive, I will. <laughs> and so we're, um, I think we're going to be talking about the Bruins this week. And it's really funny because we basically did not talk about anything that we we're going to talk about until just about 15 minutes ago. So it's going to be fun. We're going to wing it. <laughs> I eat. <laughs> Ah, yes. Okay, so why don't we just start off by saying that the Bruins had a pretty surprising week. It was a surprise that they would play so shittily against the Oilers. Oh, good fucking God. (laughs) It was a surprise that they would come out and play so well against the Lightning, being injury depleted and all, because I think uh, Brad and Anders Bjork were still out for that game. So it was DeBrusque. And Krejci. Oh, they had so many injuries. There were so many injuries for that game. <laughs> I think Brad was back. DeBrusque and DeBrusque and Krejci were out, and Bjork wasn't back yet. That's what it was. Okay, and it was a surprise that yesterday, not that they won because the Flyers are a shitty team. It was the surprise that Brad Marchand kept taking a licking and kept on ticking. Yes. And I would also venture that, in addition to the Flyers being dog shit, the team actually kind of played an almost perfect game. Granted, it's against a really garbage team, but they kind of played an almost perfect game yesterday. All right. Let's just talk about that a little bit. One, despite the appearance of no goal, everybody's least favorite player, who got traded mid-game to the other team... Because they both had goals waved off. That's that's the joke. No goal. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but anyway, um, well, you know that. But I just wanted to make sure that other people knew that, that we have this running joke about no goal. <laughs> and he's a player. And he plays for both teams, apparently, yesterday. But anyway, th- what was what was great was they did not play down to the Flyers. The Flyers are a shitty team. They were 1, 4, and 5 in their last 10. Now, in their last 10, they're 0, 5, and 5. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> they deserve it. 
I, I love it when the Flyers suck. I really do. And and Dave Haxtell's weird beady eyes are so getting fired soon. Yeah. Guess what, guys? You're looking at inter- interim coach Dave Tippett is my guess in the near future, Flyers fans. And he did <laughs> so well in Arizona. I mean, he kept that team. He, he had a, series, he had a three-year run of, of, of a playoff appearances with some pretty dog shit teams there, too, including a conference finals appearance. They haven't been to the full playoffs since. But... <laughs> Oh, see, I'm talking about the the Arizona team that I knew that he was part of, and they did Jack. That's it. Uh, yeah, that was after what last decent pieces Maloney managed to pull together stopped being decent. Yeah. You know, when, say, guys like Doan and Ray Whitney suddenly decided, remember, they were like a million years old and so forth, you know. Oh, you can decide when you're a million years old? Well, I've watched some hockey players. Clearly, it just suddenly occurs to them one day, oh, fuck, I'm old as shit. Now I suck. (laughs) (laughs) Am I wrong? Tell me I'm wrong. (laughs) No, I just didn't know that they they woke up and they realized it. See, that's it. No one's told Chara. No no, no one's told Chara he's old. Or he's like, no, I'm not. I'm Chara. Fuck you. Crunch. Um. <laughs> I am Zdeno Chara. I am the son of Zdenek. I will break you. Okay. Uh, no, no. I mean, I, I think I read something on Chara like over the summer or this fall or something about how his competitive drive is unbelievable. He his described thinnest... it as like being like um, a twenty out of ten or something like that. <laughs> Well, it's been pretty common. I mean, you know, he struggled a couple of years there when the rest of the defense wasn't uh, good enough to be able to keep him from being badly overworked, right? And, you know, there was knee injury in there and so forth. But uh, for years, it's been pretty commonly held. That's like the, the ridiculous fitness regimen he got follows. I don't, I don't think he's going to be a Chara or a Chelios, but he could easily pull off Lidstrom number of years. So he could easily have three, four more years of being very effective. He's a player that's going to get to retire on his own terms, and I like seeing that because too many players don't. Right. So that's not going to happen, Char. That's that's all we want to say about no. that. I had no idea that Shane uh, Gussesbier. Is that how you say it? Whatever. Whatever. Yeah. yeah. Fuck him. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a dipshit, huh? Like that was an exceptionally stupid move. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You were on the power play. And then guess what? You weren't on the power play anymore. You were on four on four. That was a shitty move. And it was just, it was just a shit. Even if they weren't on the power play, it was a shitty move. It was like a, he took his stick, held it perpendicular to the ice, and then hit Brad Marchand in the face with it. Yeah. I don't know how, that's so absurdly malicious. I mean, and Brad took a lot of fucking abuse yesterday. That Provorov hit, whichever one on the internet seems like, well, but it may have been, it was it was it was a perfectly legal hit, but it was to the head. I'm like, yeah, that you know that's a problem. Like, yes, that head, you know, it wasn't blindside or anything like that. He still stood up into Marshan's head. Now those hits probably should be made illegal if the league takes concussions even kind of seriously. I bet you though the Department of Player Safety would say that the onus was on Marshan to keep his head up. Seriously, but Brad's head wasn't down. That's the thing. <laughs> but they would still say it. Come on. Because yeah, what happened? It was, it was a perfectly fair hit to the chest, right? And then Provorov stood up into Brad's head, which is not hard to do because Brad is a short man. 
Yeah, I mean, he, he got penalized on it. Should he get more? I don't know. He got penalized on that one. So then Marshy took a hit on shithead there. (laughs) Shithead, Bazir, Bahir, Ghost Bear, shithead. Ghost Bear, shithead. Ghost Bear, shithead. Does a ghost bear shit in the woods? No, he shits in his head. Anyway. (laughs) 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 So anyway, he, you know, he took exception to the shot that, that Marshy laid on him. You know, and it's like, but you're like five inches taller than him. <laughs> and you were on the power play, you dumb motherfucker. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I mean, there was that, that was the hit yeah. before that caused the power play cross check. And that was just, I gotta tell you, that is one of the dumbest hockey moves I've ever seen. Seriously. He was like, you guys have the advantage here and you couldn't keep your anger in check long enough to capitalize on this. Not that and, you guys were, but you know. You and considering have. how many known shit disturbers Ghost Bear has on his on his on his team, you think he'd be coached through you know not being that dumb, you know. He he's, his teammates include Wade Simmons, Dale Weiss, and and Travis Konechny. These guys are all known weasels, right? They're known for 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 provoking shit. You think they could give clinics and not responding to people like me? <laughs> yes I just also want to point out that uh, a teammate of his is Rodko Gudas who is also was not there because oh he's still serving suspension yeah that's right the league fired him into the sun <laughs> for 10 games yeah so it's like it was funny because we were talking about that last night in my living room we were talking about it I'm like oh my god that's right Gudas wasn't there who probably would have done just as shitty a job because he's suspended so you would think don't do something like this. I don't know if he'll get suspended or called or whatever about it. I mean, he had to... We would, have, we would have heard something about it by now if it was going to happen, so it's not. Yeah, yeah. So, But, I mean, still, just a phenomenally stupid move. Poor Marshy. He had to get stitches on his nose. But, you know, here's the thing. Marshy has still had a killer game. He, had a, he assisted on the posture not goal, and he scored his own goal, too. So, you know, he did all sorts of Martian things to the... And as a result, he's something like, what's he at, 19 points in 16 games right now? Wait, I'm, I'm just glad to see that Marshy came back and was just like, ah, I'm not going to take your shit. I'm just going to play my game. And that's too bad. So, uh, yeah, let's talk about Tampa a little, a little bit. And I think the big thing, and this came up with yesterday's game as well, is um, because they've been rolling these last two games, they've rolled... Um, um, uh, both Mar- Marchand and Pasternak with um, uh, Bergeron again. And um, even a supercharged line like Scam- Stamkos Kuch- Kucherov guy, I can't remember the other guys, nor do I care. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think it's Mr. Unpronounceable uh, Nemesnikov. But I, uh, Nemesnikov, yes. Yeah. But yeah, even it shows, even if you put a, t- a line like that, which is putting up literally all of the points, every single one of them, up against Bergie, Marshy, Pasta, uh, the answer is LOL. Nope. Um. <laughs> well, uh, Tampa Bay ran uh, 70 and I think the Bruins ran 70 that night. Yeah. They, they scratched a uh, Bleski at the last minute to uh, dress uh, in order to dress a uh, Postma for reasons. And uh, so <laughs> what was funny was when I was doing the game thread for that, I, um, I had no idea what Tampa Bay was going to do. They, when I looked at their, their lineup, um, 
you know, and of course it was the NBC game. So of course I didn't have the Jack explanation, although following Jack's tweets during that game was fun. Uh, <laughs> they dropped out uh, a player on the third line and Schuster was kind of inserted uh, down below the other um, defensive pairings. And I was like, that's probably a 7D thing or something like that. But in the, in the game thread that I wrote up, I wrote some guy. I literally wrote some guy. <laughs> you know, uh, if you really want to, you can make it some Gaiovich. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, or well, however you want to handle that. It's but Schuster, it, so you write some guy, but you, you miss some vowels. Oh, yeah. So it's S M E G um, G Y. Uh, y. <laughs> Put an R or an N in there just for good measure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Interesting, interesting that Schuster is the guy they plug in as their seven there because he's no great shakes to be sure, but he's definitely better than it, than one if not both of Girardi and Coburn. Definitely better than Girardi because he got bought out by the Rangers. That's usually a bad sign. Considering they still employ Mark Stahl and Nick Holden, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, and also probably better than Braden Coburn at this point in Braden Coburn's career. So why is he the one getting nudged? Now, that said, them rolling 7D doesn't surprise me. Um, Cooper's one of the only coaches that's regularly done that over the recent years. That's why I sort of went out recently when, I, when Cassidy started doing it. It was kind of a big deal because I couldn't think of too many other coaches besides Cooper that have done that. Mm. Yeah, um, I wasn't really surprised by it, but... I didn't really know how to handle it in a in a write up, so whatever, it's fine. Now Stephen Stamkos did manage to hurt us. It's like the first time I remember seeing Stam Stephen Stamkos in like five years. I swear to God, <sighs> he has a habit of he he's, he's you know he's rapidly trending towards really great player, but what could have been if it wasn't for his absurd injury luck? He's he's, he's on a he's on a Pavel Bure um, uh, track line in that regard. <laughs> well, it's like he he, he got those blood clots that one year and then last year i don't even know what it was it was a knee injury that kept him out i think well and then there was that horrifying broken leg um uh, in 2014 too right that, that was years ago come on i remember that but i'm talking about more recent but but, but the general point is he's always hurt yes <laughs> yeah like i i actually couldn't remember that he played any games last season there wasn't very many of them. No. No, and we, we haven't seen him in almost two seasons, honestly. So so that was uh, surprising that he managed to take like a it was like a it was it was just one of those improbable shots from the angle. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, as a one timer slapped it right in or wristed it right in. It was great. It was good to see it, but not against our team. Yes. He's having a good year overall though. I think he has like eleven goals and twenty something assists. The prolific scoring of the Tampa Bay Lightning um, did not interfere with the Bruins winning. It did not. Tuka Rask is like, you know, guys, I'm not feeling this right now. So, uh, no, you're not going to win. I'll call y'all. Um, <laughs> also, Charlie McAvoy. He played almost 30 minutes that game. and Which, yeah. incidentally, when you're playing, when you dress seven defensemen, why do you have one playing 30 minutes? So you can have one play... Two minutes. Come on, <laughs> Jeff. How much do you want 
Paul Postma to play. I don't want Paul, Paul Postma to play, but my point my point is just simply that what? <laughs> yeah, I played just over twenty eight minutes, and he had a really good game. Had a goal and an assist. Yeah, that's why you play him thirty minutes, right? Even Vegas knows that because he's put, good at hockey. She put her head up, and she was like, mm. and then she put her head back down. So. <laughs> 30 minutes to play somebody too. It's great. I don't even know what Postman played that night. I didn't even actually notice him on the ice. <laughs> it was three minutes officially. So, so, so in, in short, they did scratch Bolesky to dress Postma to play very, very few, play even fewer minutes than Bolesky would have played. Yep. Yeah. And they won! I know. I'm just saying it's like, that's fucking... I kind of, I, I feel for Matt Bolesky. I do. But you know what? Be better, buddy. You know what? Uh, at this point, I want the positive result of them winning and playing well against a team that they've... Well, you know what? They typically play well against teams that are pretty good. But it is a team that this season is that good. So this is a... You know, I mean, it's, it's a major win. It's a major win. It yeah. Is. Now, um, why don't we go back in time and talk about Sunday's game. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> what the fuck were you doing there, Bice? <laughs> yeah, so um, the Oilers came into town on uh, no rest because they played Buffalo the night before. I mean, to be fair, playing Buffalo is like getting rest. Uh, Buffalo, now, Buffalo now has fewer points than Arizona on this season. Yeah, I did watch <laughs> that happen. Uh, so Oilers rolled into town after playing the Sabres and winning against them. And we thought maybe they'll be tired or, you know, maybe they'll just suck because they've been having a rough year, uh, because they can't quite figure it out. And no, no, they came in. And as I said before in the pre-show, they farted all over the Bruins. Just. Yes. Yeah. Um, Rask me 32 saves. Um, in, mo- in an awful lot of other games, that's enough for a shutout. The rest of the team utterly and profoundly shat the bed in that game. It's remarkable, really. And that's even with certain players having really good games. Post- Krug had a two-point night. Pasta scored a goal because that's what he does. Krejci scored a goal. Not really usually what he does, but he did it anyway. And and then the team just, just yeah, just exactly what you said. The, the, the big old fart noise. You know? Yep, yep. Uh, Maroon got us again. Ah, fucking maroon. Not a maroon. And I, I don't look forward to when he gets traded at the deadline to an Eastern team. I don't think they'll be able to afford him uh, to keep him. So, th- yeah, that's not going to be fun. Well, but plus they're bad. Why on earth wouldn't they trade him at the deadline? They'd be stupid not to. When you're bad, you trade everything that's not nailed down. <laughs> not Connor McDavid. Well, he's well, Connor McDavid is very much nailed down because A, he's Connor McDavid, and B, plus he makes $12 million next year. And he's Connor with Jesus. Yeah, exactly. So why don't we go into what you saw on Twitter, talking about the performance of the Bruins in front of Tuca. It wasn't just on Twitter. Um, I believe uh, the, the uh, quote-unquote greatest sports writer to ever live um, <laughs> also wrote something to this effect as well. He's so fucking humble. Okay. <laughs> yes, you're a humble sports writer. Also something he's been known to refer to himself as. Um, Do you hear that? That's the sound of my middle finger, Hags. Okay. 
so these various people were, were sort of were, were throwing things around to the effect of, well, um, you know, it's like, well, the Bruins played bad. It's like, well, yeah, Russ played a good game, but the Bruins played really shit in front of them. And then there was actually things going around by hags and by idiots on Twitter. It's like, oh, the Bruins played shit in front of Rask because they're because they're hanging out because they're deliberately hanging out to dry because they don't because they don't believe him. Blah blah blah, which is the most unimaginably stupid thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me just say that we have seen this team kind of just play poorly, shittily, and hang somebody out to dry, but it wasn't Tuca, and it wasn't this season. No, it was Dobby the entire first half of last year, as well as Zane. <laughs> Every time. I'm going to even go up higher. Claude. They were done. They were done with Claude. They were so done. The team was done with Claude. They didn't want to listen to him anymore. They didn't want to do his, uh, let's win this game by scoring as few points as possible and not letting the other team score points, which it, all of that stuff was just falling. Uh, you know, it was, it was just failing. Yeah. That's when you want to know when a team gave up on somebody. That was last season. Because what happened when Cassidy took over? They were looking pretty fucking good. Right. And they managed to turn it around and get into the playoffs. Far from perfect, but pretty fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't need to be perfect. It yeah, just, exactly. It needed to be a turnaround. That is a team hanging someone out to dry. Okay? And teams do do this to coaches regularly, yes. But I don't think teams ever do that to fellow players. No. you Especially have to... not to the guy your goalie. Especially not your fucking goalie. Uh, first of all, I would think that you would have some kind of team meeting or meeting with the coaches if you really hated the goalie that fucking much. That goalie wouldn't be playing. Do you really think that the, the Chara wouldn't bust someone's fucking head in for being for, for, for deliberately uh, fucking up in front of in front of not any goalie? Right. I, I just <laughs> look. I think the, the reasonable un, uh, explanation for this is this: in the past couple of years, Edmonton comes into town and they roll over us. And guess what they did? They rolled over us again. Yep. Okay. I don't know what it is. It's not Looch. Okay. Uh, it could be Connor McDavid. It could be like they have a, a potent attack. It could be just Patrick Maroon. They have no immunity to him. You know? Where was our hockey vampire? Damn it. Anyway. <laughs> he was like concussed or something. We know that. <laughs> right. Well, I'm saying we needed to, to have an antidote or immunity or suck his life force out. Something like that. We we just don't have an answer for some reason. And we only see them twice a year. So how much of an answer do we really need to have? It was a game. They it, The whole team just looked flat. They just didn't really know how to handle this this game it's not because they fucking hate tuca and they can't play in front of him jesus well, that they've downplayed played two wonderful games in front of tuca since so right and that and damn that, motherfuckers <laughs> uh and that had nothing to do i mean they might have like i don't know they might have regrouped after the edmonton game um it could be that the, they knew the dads were coming into town they wanted to look good uh, did you see uh, Tuka's dad really like loving that that fight? Remember, remember Nick? Remember Nick's story last year about um, uh, Tuka's dad running out of the bus at the, at the Canes game during the dad's trip. Oh no! He told the story on the show. Well, I don't. Anyway, it sounds like Tuka's dad's a fucking is a fucking time is what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, also, did you see on Twitter? Apparently, Brad Dad and Berkey Dad are are, are are buds. Right. Just like they're just like their boys are besties. So, uh. <laughs> right. 
it was nice. It was it was fun to see. It, yeah, it's it's good to see it. It is. Um, I just loved how like you see Tuka's dad going, "Yeah, woo!" and then Kevin Miller's dad's like leaning in the background, chewing some gum, like, "Yeah, this is pretty typical for Kevin." Yeah. That's my boy. He ripped that guy's jaw off. Yep. Yep. I showed him that. I got a whole shelf full of someone's jaws that I ripped out. (laughs) Um, You know, and Carlo's father's a little bit off or to the side, kind of like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Sure. Glad it's not my son. Spooner's and, dad was pretty pumped to see his, his son score his first goal in a very long time, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know what? I saw in the edge of that frame. Now, I I didn't see a complete jersey number. I just saw a younger guy wearing an eight, a jersey that ended in eight. And I couldn't help but think because, you know, David Pasternak doesn't, his father did pass away, that maybe his brother came instead, which would be really cool. It was a younger guy, much younger guy than all the other dads and stuff. And I and and I was sitting there. I'm like, I'm struggling to remember anybody whose jersey ends in eight other than Pasta. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't think there's too many others at large that fit that description. No. So if if his brother came instead, that is really sweet, because it doesn't always have to be dads, you know. Now, Bruce Cassidy said something about how his father had died when he was 21, so he thinks a trip like this is really special. Oh, yeah. Wow. Grizzlick's the uh, only other one with an, who ends in eight. Yeah, that wasn't, that wasn't his dad. Much, <laughs> much younger. Like 25, 26. <laughs> but anyway. Yep. Yeah, that, that would... Uh... <laughs> yeah. All right. So anyway, let's see as a younger brother. That could be. I don't know. Anyway, I want to hope that it was that. It was Jacob, and that's it. So, but anyway, yeah, I don't think it's the team wants to play shitty in front of Tuca because we saw that that's not the case afterward. It's not because anybody had any special talking to. Um, It just means that Haggerty is wrong, as he usually is. Damn it. Meanwhile, his ongoing, Hag's ongoing feud with that Bruins network this week has been exceptionally stupid. And he said, like, a string of remarkably dumb things, too. For, you know, they should be drafting good Canadian boys like um, um, like Alex DeBrincat. <laughs> Bro's never response. DeBrincat is from Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, he said something remarkable about how the first round is when you go for um, high risk, high reward. No, that's go- not what you use the first round for. That's what the mid and mid and late rounds are for. Yeah. Okay. Now I know this is this is NHL, but I just want to say something about another sport, the NFL. I, I just want to talk about a certain pick who came in uh, the sixth round. He is number one ninety nine overall, and he was a compensatory pick or compensatory pick. Pick the compensatory. Ah, he was compensation. Damn it. Anyway, um, do you want to know who that guy is? And it was a low risk but high high reward. The one and only is Tom Brady, I assume. Yes, it was. Um, So incidentally, incidentally, parallels. Bergy was also a compensatory pick Mm -hmm. for letting 
for the team having lost Bill Guerin for nothing because back then when UFA walked, you got a compensatory pick for some reason. <laughs> okay, okay. But the the, problem, the thing is, is that in your first round, you're going to go for people who are like going to make a difference on your roster. Maybe the not right away, but they're they're going to be solid players, right? That's that's the first round in any draft. It's going to be a solid, if not outstanding player, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, likely, yeah. Your second round, it's like, that's still going to be a, a good player. They'll make the roster at some point, whatever. And then it's like, when you get down below that, it's like, ooh, let's take a gamble. You know? Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like you know what you took you you took a risk with Malcolm Subban and it took too long for him to develop, and he's not here anymore. Okay, Malcolm Subban is one of these you know supposedly um uh, high risk high reward um uh, first round picks coming out of the CHL. Mr. Joe Haggerty comment Jordan Caron also same story. I could go on. Hey, Brett Connolly was a number uh, was a uh, first round pick. Dog years. Yep, yep. Jared Knight was a thirty. Was a thirty-first overall pick. Um, I know. I just wasn't limiting it to Bruins. I was just saying, like you know, there are lots of players out there who are first-round picks who the first two picks in twenty twelve were Yakupov and Ryan Murray, neither of which have done anything to justify their draft position at any point. Yakupov can't find a home from your dear. And uh, I don't even know who Ryan Murray is. <laughs> he is um the fourth or fifth D on Columbus. Oh, see, I, I mean, he's further down. He's further down their depth chart than Jack fucking Johnson. <laughs> so it makes it he's at least he's at best their fifth D because he's behind David Savard then too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, no. Anyway, don't know who he is, and he didn't turn out very well. So yeah, you. You know what? Your first round, you should really just get somebody who's going to be good. Okay? And I know it can be speculative after a certain point, but, you know, you don't just sit there and just go willy-nilly. And also, you know, here's the thing about criticizing the Bruins for playing it safe in the, in the first round with Frederick and, and Vakaninen. Um, these came, both of those came the two successive years after they did nothing but gamble in the first round in 2015. Oh, the 2015, that was when they did the whole... Um... Zaboral Debrusque, yeah. Um, so why anyone would criticize them for playing it safe with, with Frederick or Vakaninen, I can't figure out. Apart from Hags being intellectually dishonest and or an imbecile, probably both. Uh, yeah, I think... Uh, I just like to call him an imbecile. I don't even want to tell him say that he's a liar. <laughs> Well, again, you, much like a, a certain uh, a, a certain orange-carried idiot in, in in the White House, you can always find a tweet or a story where it directly con- contradicts the one he's publishing on any given day. Mm-hmm. Oh yes, that he's himself have written. Yeah. Um, yep. There's there's one. There's always one. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, look, you know what? I think one of the best things that people can do is they can admit that they're wrong when they're wrong. You know, and if you you know. Trying to back up something by saying something even more ridiculous and stupid is not the way to go, Hags. Just don't do it. But but anyway, look, drafts are speculation. That's what it is. It's prospecting. It's speculation. You're, 
you think that somebody's going to turn out a certain way based on how they've played and you project how they're going to play. And here's the beauty of it. Um, you can you can take some risk and you can get a big payoff and you can be totally right or you can be completely wrong about players. So I don't know. I, I think that arguing over these things when we're not talking about players who are actually playing right now, to me, it's like uh, it's like showing each other how big your dick is. Or, you know. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the thing. So you can blame the like, Well, you know what? The Bruins currently have three guys from the, 20, from the 2014 draft on this roster, all of whom are contributing. I feel like there's not really much need for other discussion. Right, right. Plus two guys from the 2015 and one of the guys from 2016 and someone from the 2016 draft already are all roster players. But I, I just want to share my favorite tweet of that exchange because I didn't follow the whole exchange. I just saw the exchange. I was looking on Burnley on Topic. It came up in the timeline. And my favorite tweet was, I'm not following you. Someone that I follow, um, you know, since they responded to what you were saying, that person, uh, that, that showed up in my timeline and I decided to respond. So basically Bruins Network is like, dude, I don't follow you. I, one of my followers or one of the people I follow was responding to you and I followed from there. Well, you know, Hags has a weird thing for doing that, though. Um, he wrote that some story, you know, suggesting Krug is a third-pairing defenseman over the summer, right? I I snapped, I, I took, you know, a screenshot of the passage and posted that and then, a, and then a hero chart. Didn't mention the word Hags at all in the thing. The fucker found me. Um, How absurdly narcissistic do you have to go to that level of detail to hunt it down? <laughs> um, Pretty. Pretty much. Yeah. And as a result, my, as a result, my mentions the three days after that were fucking awful. Because, you know, the idiots that think Hags knows what he's talking about um, are possibly even stupider than he is. <laughs> a lot of people saying awful things about Krug that weren't backed up by any of the available data. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, people don't, a lot of, of people who watch don't want to deal with the data. Even I don't want to deal with the data. Let's but even the honest. eye test, Krug is objectively outstanding. Um, I think it mostly is a is a there's a confirmation bias. A lot of that type of, of fan, which I understand, not wanting to bother with the numbers. A lot of the fans that don't want to do that also still have this '80s vision of the game. Um, you know, KPD complaining about the butterfly about the butterfly goal goaltending style, how it should be being banned. Um, people celebrating defensemen that are okay. You know, this is kind of a hot topic this week as well. Defensemen who are objectively not very good defending, but do the things the guys who watched in the '80s expect to see defensemen do: punch and block shots, right? Um, well, even well, though they but, are, but, but, even, I... even, but no, but but even though the tangible results of their defensing, like you can actually yeah, are not defending aren't good. They'll still it's there's a, it's and I'm not I'm not criticizing even necessarily wanting to see that in the game. I'm criticizing confirmation bias. I'm just telling you, though, I think block shots is an important thing if you're defending. I agree. Every defenseman should be able to block shots. However, um, the argument against it is uh, players that with a ton of block shots are blocking that many shots because shots are taking place while they're defending. A good defenseman would have doesn't have very many shots against when they're on the ice because the, because the puck's never even getting that far. That's the entire notion behind shot block shots being a bad thing. 
It's because you're allowing shots to happen at all. Yeah, but um, you have to realize that defensemen aren't always, all one, that far up the ice. So a shot could come in when they're uh, hanging back at the blue line or back beyond, beyond it. Two, I mean, I, I think that you're just talking about a really small subset of, of defensemen who actually um, are that involved with the plays so that the, the, they don't have to deal with block shots. I, I really do. Well, I think well, a majority... Well, I, I, I know. I mean, again, the point is just the total numbers. A high number of block shots means that you're facing a lot of shots. Um, you know, Kevin Miller is that sort of style defenseman, but he doesn't really have that many block shots because Kevin Miller actually actually drives play despite being a stay-at-home defenseman. So does Brandon Carlo. They're, you know, what a stay-at-home defenseman should be versus what people just sort of accept a stay-at-home defenseman is, which is more like Adam McQuaid. You know, Quaid and Miller have superficially very similar games, but that's really where it stands apart. Basically, Miller's what that role should be, whereas McQuaid's what that role is what we've come to expect it to be. Yeah, I, I just get frustrated by the fact that everybody wants to treat defensemen like they all need to be like Eric Carlson or, honestly, like Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr ruined it for everybody. <laughs> well, yeah, because the, the position was kind of bullshit before Bobby Orr's the thing. He changed, he changed how the, the position was played across the board. <laughs> yeah, so it's like, um, so basically it's like Bobby Orr ruined it for everybody else. And then everybody is struggling to find their game ever, ever since that. But I just, I really hate it when everybody expects every defenseman to be that kind of player. And you have to realize that there are, there's room in, in being a defenseman for being many different types of player. You can't, you don't all have to be Eric Carlson and PK Subban and oh, whatever. And I agree. But my last point there was, is there is even within this type of player, which yes, some people seem to malign that type of player. There is such thing as an actual good type of that player, but a lot of the ones that are held up as that type of player are not. Right. The, hence the Miller versus McQuaid. Um, right. I, I think that, you especially have this problem with the the idea of the Bruins having the identity of the big bad Bruins, which they don't have that identity anymore. No, this is not a particularly large team. No, no, and, and it's just like you have a couple. You have people who will stand up at the right times and do certain things. You have plenty of people who hit hard, who do hard checks and stuff, and that's fine. But that's not. I don't know if that goes into the identity of big bad Bruins but you're not have people going to the stands beating up their fans with their own shoes and <laughs> a la Milbury and um, Terry O'Reilly who every shift he's on the ice he's gonna fucking beat somebody's face and you don't have that anymore get over it and that was a I long mean, time ago well, well as I said appreciate what we have Tory Crew, maybe maybe three apples high but he plays at least six apples high well, but but the you know I I struggle with this notion because I certainly uh, when you're listening to people talk on the radio you certainly have people who embrace um, kind of what the Bruins are trying to do now mixed in with the people who are troglodytes who think that it's got to be like this uh, punishing everybody's like battered and bruised and bleeding at the end of the game um, type of. Uh, you know, match up. High, every yeah, yeah. There's a lot of people that still want hockey to be this high-scoring, hyper, uh, high-scoring high ultraviolence that it hasn't been in a very, very long time on either count. Right. That's that, that's that's what it is. That's that's 
And I understand it. It's, it's all about wanting it to be the way it was when you grew up with it. If you were watching hockey in the 80s, I get it. You want it to be that. Personally, there are a few things I want less than hockey to be like it was in the 80s. I've seen high-scoring games, and a lot of them suck. <laughs> well, I think it's really – you know what? When you basically um, change things so that people can't defend against other players at all, or uh, mm. it, it's just – it's yeah, I, I have no interest in an 8-6 game. Well, 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 you and I are agreement on this one, and both of I, I based on who your 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 favorite players consistently are, I believe you are the same view of me. And this is that defense is actually my favorite part of the game. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. So of course I don't want to a game that ends eight six. That the last December I went to a game that between them uh, between the Halifax Mooseheads and the and the uh, Acadie Bathurst Titan, the game ended. 11-10 in overtime. It is the most monstrously bad hockey game I've ever watched. And I went to a lot of intramural games at 2 in the morning where all the guys were drunk. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's terrible. I don't I don't want to watch that. I Of course I love defense. Duh. Anybody anybody can love a, a forward. Anybody can. It's easy. It's super easy to just love a forward. It's hard to love a goalie. You know, not... They will. They will drive you insane. Yeah, you have to be <laughs> clinically insane to yeah, really yeah. love a goalie. A goalie. Being but... in love, loving a goalie is like like um, going into a relationship knowing you're going to get gaslit um, all the time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Am I wrong? No, you're not. Oh. Steady, I still miss you. <laughs> but I I love defensemen because it's basically it's a hard enough position to play. And for you to even get to the NHL, you have to show something, even if it's a very small something, you know, you have to show something and to be able to stay on a team, you know, it's like forwards. It's like they come and they go. It's like there's uh... twice as many forwards in the league as there are defensemen. Right. Um, which means you have to be even a, even the crappiest defenseman on a team is going to be a lot better than the crappiest forward on a team. Yeah. Just yeah. by the simple just by simple numbers. Damn it, Zach Wierenski should have been in the running for the Calder. Just saying. Just saying. He should have gotten it. Fucking awesome. Like, honestly, yes, because what he did last year was way more fucking impressive than, uh, I mean, you know, that's not true. Um, Austin Matthews scoring 40 goals as a 19-year-old rookie was fucking ridiculous. But. <laughs> but defense is harder. <laughs> but, no, no, I, I, I don't know. It's. To me, it's no fun to watch teams go back and forth and scoring like that. Maybe that's why I just don't like basketball as much. That to is me, squeaking. Squeaking drives me nuts, but uh, also that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could probably get over it over time, but it's kind of like there's a little bit of challenge in scoring in, in basketball, but not as much as there is in hockey, you know. Well, and, yeah, basketball is more simply about scoring. It's gonna. This is gonna sound dumb when I say it. I say even in my head, I'm like, this is gonna sound really stupid. But basketball is about literally scoring more than your opponent, whereas hockey is as much or more preventing your opponent from scoring more than you than it is scoring more than your opponent. Yeah, Does that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Itself, I found it awful in my head. Well, you know, it's like um, in football, and they probably say this in other sports too, but I, I mostly know it from football. Defense wins championships. It's a, It's that's that is known. In hockey, too. Yeah. Right, right. So it's like teams where you have this this defensive element, where you have that control over the game, where you can turn the tide of the game based on your defense, your team defense. 
That's the stuff I'm interested in, okay? That's that's what it is. And baseball is just a pace pace of play thing, man. I just I can't I can't do that. I mean, I think it's nice and relaxing for some people and they love the game and good for you. It's just not for me. You it's know? I like I, I like I like baseball on radio. It's a good pace for radio. <laughs> you can get you can get really good descriptions of what's going on because they don't have to move on to the next play anytime soon. Yeah, that's why I miss Gauche so bad. I just don't like Judd Surratt as much. I don't think he's as descriptive. And and yesterday, um, London Bear, the Bear of London, Adam, said that uh, he was listening and they no longer go left to right on their radio. How sad is that? Even Gino, even Gino, um, uh, not Gino, uh, even uh, Gil, uh, yeah, Gil Santos, when he was doing Patriots games, they would go left to right on the radio. You know, as if you're looking, you know, I just, I like that kind of thing when you're talking about games on the radio. I will listen to hockey on the radio if I'm not able to see it. I'll listen to football on the radio if I'm not able to see it. I won't listen to basketball on the radio. <laughs> no, that just makes the squeaks worse. Yeah, because they're right there. They're right there. <gasps> and, and, oh! Yeah. oh, sorry. She's Baseball right. on the radio is my favorite. I think I like baseball on the radio more than on TV. I mean, I like both, but baseball on the radio is nice. Like, if it's a summer day, nice out, bring the radio outside, sit on the grass, and just listen to a game. One of the disadvantages of winging it is that we hadn't really talked about what we were going to talk about before. So your defenseman stuff came at a shock and surprise to me. Surprise! Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't really have my thoughts formed up. So I'm a little, uh, formed and um, at the ready, and I, I I fear that I'm going to come off sounding like an idiot for the show. But um, I wasn't prepared, so surprise and whatnot. I thought that was a pretty good uh, discussion for not for not prepared. But uh, oh. yeah, I thought it was too. Sorry, I couldn't contribute more. Being half dead. Oh my deathbed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I do enjoy defensemen. My, I I mean I remember back when we did that thing in the playoffs for Chowder, where you donate a goal, one goal, uh, you pick a player and you donate five dollars per goal for like Save a Tree Foundation or something. Mine was Johnny Boychuk. Johnny. Ah, oh, Johnny. I I dig it. I think it's only fitting that one of the picks that we got, and that chowder thing I think was before me, uh, because I joined the year that um, they didn't make the playoffs <laughs> for the first time in forever. But um, Johnny, I think it's fitting that one of the picks for Johnny became Car- uh, Brandon Carlo, who's not the same kind of player at all. But it's okay. He's my defenseman. Even if he doesn't get to play with Char anymore. I just miss it's a Johnny Rocket call from. <laughs> yeah. Again, I mean, like he 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 threw what is unambiguously my favorite hit of all time in hockey. Against James yes, he, Van yeah. Riemsdyk. Yeah, he sent JVR back to 1955. So. <laughs> that was a great hit, and his glove went into the stands, and then came back out onto the ice. <laughs> Because who wants JVR's glove? No one, no one in in Boston sports wants it. That was great. 
Yeah, I miss Johnny, but I also realize now he's getting older. He's very injury prone. Had we not traded him and ended up giving him that contract, it would it would be bad for his reputation in Boston because he would be remembered for the contract he's on now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so for the purposes of Johnny's legacy, this is probably for the best. As we can remember from how good he was for us. Likewise, it's great that we're not the ones paying Lucci's current contract, even though he was an maddeningly infuriating player. That was redundant for Boston. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that contract he's got right now, that's very interesting. Um, I don't know how they're going to get out from under that. We say that every week, it seems like. But what not? Okay, now, earlier, speaking of defensemen, Earlier, we were talking about what's going to happen to this lineup that is almost completely back to normal because, you know, we've gotten players that have come back and gone out and come back and whatever. And right now we're missing McQuaid, uh, DeBrusque, and Solaric, right? Two of those yes. are forwards, so they're not part of this discussion right now. But yeah, we'll gonna... get to that, though. <laughs> yes, we will. But let's start off with McQuaid. I figure defenseman, defenseman, then we can go into the oh, other yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, so I'll just be blunt. I really, really like this defensive setup. I like our three pairings. I like the balance. Everyone's playing their proper hand for like the first time ever in this city, it seems. <laughs> or at least in a very long time. I'm liking what Grizzlick's playing, bringing to the bringing to the bringing to the um, um, the third the third pairing there with Kevin Miller. Um, I love the other two pairings. Uh, McAvoy, Chara, and, uh, and, and Krug Carlo are both just great pairings, in my opinion. So, it looks like we've had the discussion on the problem with Bolesky in the past. When he comes back, I don't see a place for Adam McQuaid on this roster any longer. All right. So, I had countered with this. What are they going to do with that? Are they going to sit his 2.75 million or whatever it is up on the ninth floor eating nachos? My answer to that one is, well, he's clearly had no problems doing that with Bolesky's 3.8 million. But we're going to have a lot of money sitting. (laughs) You know what? Here's the thing, though, is the players that are playing instead of them are on ELCs. That's true. You play the players, he'll give you the best chance to win. If, yeah, if you can fit it under the cap and with the 23-man roster, you make it happen. Now, of course, the 23-man roster becomes one of your issues there, but you know what you can do? You can just wave fucking Paul Posma. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody wants him here. I don't think anyone else wants him either. He'd probably end up in, in Providence. Uh, I mean, Riley Nash would miss him because they're friends. But, you know, yeah. he hasn't shown me too much except for that one goal he scooped away. That was it. That's that's not a lot, but that was that was good for that game. I don't even remember which game it was. I remember the play, not the game. Okay. I should ask you the follow-up. You're asking you saying you don't think that they would put his money on the ninth floor. Do you actually want to see him in over Grizzlick? That's for the sake of the podcast, is maybe the more salient question. The reason why Okay. Um, expectations I, I, versus I, desires here. That's ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I don't expect too much more from him. Um, it's just, I think it's more. It's, I, 
I cling to what's familiar. I cling to what's familiar. I know that. But what I wanted to say is this. Ready? And I, this is going to blow the doors off everything. Ready? I didn't tell you before. Ready? Do you think Peter Shirelli will take him? I know. That was my prediction, remember? My, one of my bold predictions. Adam McQuaid will be in Edmonton by season's end. He does something. love himself some MC Quater. You know, he's the one that traded that fifth round pick that somehow eventually ended up in Dallas and became Jamie Benn. Oops. Anyway. <laughs> Four. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Interesting. Now, on the one hand, yeah. On the other hand, they have a whole stack of McQuades. They have Chris Russell. They have Eric Griba. They have an array of other mediocre defensemen. But... Has that ever stopped him before? No. <laughs> Greg Zanon, Mike Matau, Andre Mazaros, Wade Redden all say hi. (laughs) I'm just saying that he's a Shirelli player. Shirelli likes his, his guys. I'm saying it could happen. I said it as a bold prediction. I would love for it to happen in some way, and then I'd feel not so bad about it. Because then I could be right about something for once. Well, but then <laughs> part of it wouldn't be just us dumping him. It would be him ending up somewhere that wants him. Yes. Which, again, I want nothing but the best for Adam McQuaid. I just want that best to be not on the Bruins anymore, I think. Right. <laughs> I think I think that's part of where it's like I cling to familiarity. And I also don't want him to, to – I don't want him to feel like he's lost and cold out. I mean, lost and alone and cold. I was about to say, it's like, well, I mean, we could totally um, uh, lose him for nothing, but they've made a bunch of waiver claims recently, so they've kind of burned their extra their extra contract slots. So we'd have to, there'd be some sort of body, even if it was just a minor leaker coming back. I was even going to say, it's like, you know what, on, I would even say, okay, take him for future considerations, but not, not, no, point being is to not expect actually getting something in return. But, you know, um, yeah, I just, uh, I don't, uh, the combination of cap hit and the roster spot, I don't uh, see what Adam McQuaid coming back from injury does positive for this team. Because, again, I, I just, um, we end up with too many of a certain type of defenseman then. Yep, yep. And that's the big thing, because right now we have a mover and a stay-at-home guy on both pairing, uh, on each pairing. Okay, the top pairing's a bit more, di- bit different, because Char is sort of gray area, right? But, uh. At this stage, I'll consider him more stay-at-home, even though that's not really accurate either. But, you know, Chara McAvoy, crew of my crew, Carlo, and, and Grizzlick Miller are just, it's good balance. Bring McQuaid back in, and suddenly you have, you bump Grizzlick, and you end up with one team, and you end up with one pairing that's two guys that don't move. Yep. Or, and God forbid, the most likely scenario is a bottom pairing that is Miller-McQuaid. Right. Now, that said... He can come back and scratch, but then they still have the roster the roster spots issue. Um, you can you can wave Postma, but there are uh, there's a plethora of forwards at the moment. Consensus seems to be that if you wave for Toronto, he'd get picked up. I don't know if I believe that. I think it's worth a gamble. Um, yeah, and he and his and he he gets RFA at the end of this year, which means someone's not stuck with him multiple years if they're not impressed with what he shows. Yeah, you know. He he showed some glimpses 
And I think that's really where you have to what what you have to say about him now is that he showed glimpses with promise. He got injured. It took him a while to come back from that, and he still isn't he isn't producing like he should, and he doesn't do the other things as much. I mean, he does occasionally do some of the other things that forward should do. Mm-hmm. Being a little defensively responsible, making a check or something or whatever, but. He's um, he's not doing that stuff enough to justify keep, uh, you know, keeping him out on the ice. You know, I mean, yep. but Bolesky's not doing that kind of stuff, and Bolesky has more experience. Yeah. So, I mean, there's ways to move move bodies around, right? As Ford's come back, okay, so those two are already bumped off the roster. But say, you know, DeBrusque and Solaric come back. I want to see Solaric stay up, but I actually kind of struggle how to do it, see how to do it, right? In my vision, Corrali gets bumped off the roster. I haven't been particularly impressed with him this year. We have players like him that do better. The best, I think, the best fourth line we can put together right now is a, is a, is, is Nash flanked by Schaller and Achari. Um, so you know, Corrali is maybe your 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 um extra your extra forward. But if you're already stuck with Vitrano and Bolesky, who one of whom costs money, and the other one you're afraid to lose on waivers for some reason. Corrali doesn't have to go through waivers. No, he just goes down to Providence. That's it. But even then, there still isn't the place for Solaric. Um, you have to assume at this point that Heinen has a, has a death grip on a roster spot. Well, here's another thing that, that throws a wrench into the whole Solaric in, uh, issue. Is that he he got injured on a knee and knee uh, against Pittsburgh. And he was shown... He was seen walking out of the arena wearing a uh, leg-stabilizing brace. So basically... I think they were saying... I think they said four weeks for him or something like that. For a reevaluation. Okay, so Slark might not even be an issue. And at which point, you're probably better off sending him to the AHL anyway. Again, not waiver eligible. Not a problem. Two, another year after this one on his ELC, so you got time to work him out. You know what? I didn't even remember that until just now. Like, they, they were talking about reevaluation. They weren't even saying he's going to be playing in four weeks. They said reevaluation in four weeks. So that basically so they means... Could, they could look at him and say in four weeks, oh, fuck, man, you need surgery. Right. They could do that. Or they could tell say that you need a rehab stint and send him down to Providence for the rest of the year. It's sad because he, he really uh, looked good, but that hit was nasty. You know? It's a penguin. Fucking penguin. Okay, yeah. So counting the two guys on IR, we currently have 16 forwards at the NHL level, only 14 of whom are currently rostered. So, okay, um, uh, DeBrusque comes back. Someone's got to go out. Now, there are several guys that aren't waiver eligible, but they're all contributing, right? Heinen's not coming off this roster again. I think we can, we can, that's, that's, that can be pretty confidently determined. Um, I don't, DeBrusque and, and Bjork have been doing, have been doing enough things that they're, in, that, that, that they're on board to keep as well. So the only guy, other guy that's not waiver eligible is Corrali and also, honestly, again, once the roster, once the forward roster is healthy, he doesn't really serve a purpose. Especially given you know that at a minimum, Bolesky is staying on the roster, so you will always have that thirteenth forward in the form of Bolesky, regardless of what they do with Frank Vitrano. So ultimately, it's when McQuaid comes back that they got to get creative, because then either Vitrano or Posma will have to leave the roster, unless they say, unless they do what we don't want them to see, and that it would be send Grizzly down. Hmm. Point being is there's there's two guys who are eventually either Vitrano or Pasma I think is eventually going on waivers this season, 
it's just a question of where, of when. I don't know. What do you think? What, what, what would you do in Sweeney's shoes in that case? Poss- losing possible on waivers were it to happen is a I don't, concern. I, I don't care. It's like, what, 650000 or 725000 Not yeah, a big so, deal. And, and, and he's not, you know, he's not... Uh, in, He's not a sunk cost. Losing him is not a. It doesn't matter. He's a. He was a one-year deal, and it was kind of a trial offer, and it didn't work out. And, you know, even even hockey Twitter would be like, you know, shrug. He lost him on waivers. Hockey Twitter would kind of wig a bit losing Petrano on waivers, even though it's pretty obvious Petrano has no trade value so, at this point. So, so is it either or or both? Can you? You can wave both. I would um, wave both. Why not? You know. You, it's true. Then that way you actually free up roster space too. Yes. Um. So that get that gets you down to thirteen forwards and seven D. Solaric still on IR. Yep. That's where you want to be because you want the breathing room, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I have no problem waving both. Uh, one Postma has not been spectacular. We didn't expect him to be. I thought it was a curious signing, but it was also a really cheap signing. So who cares? Right? Yeah. I, I, I just, I don't have enough time in my day to worry about that. Vitrano, he's the one where it's kind of like, y- you can sit there and you can go, am I throwing away something? And my answer is no, because you're not even going to sign him to the deal that he's on right now. He's lost value. Oh, yeah. There's, there's no scenario they're going to qualify him in the spring. Right. So just put him out on waivers and see if he gets taken, and if he doesn't, he goes down to Providence. Who cares? Either way, he gets to actually fucking play, so... Right. I, I just... You know what? See, the, see, I can make definitive decisions on these things. I'm not a dog GM. I can do this. I just... I don't know. I, I'm i not beholden to either one of those players, and I even tell you that my, my hold on McQuaid is more irrational than it is, you know about stats and what he actually does. It's just, I don't know. Sometimes. And yes, yes, Bolesky and McQuaid is a lot of money to be sitting on the ninth floor as your 13th forward and 7D. But you know what? You dress the best, you dress the best 20 man roster. Right. But I would be working to try to get rid of either or. I mean, not get rid of, that sounds terrible. I would be, I would be working to trade them. Yeah. In order to move Bolesky, you have to trade him, I think, because a buyout at the end of the season is, you can't afford that. You're, you're no, already paying. Only... Yeah. You're still paying for Seidenberg, aren't you, after this season? Uh, yeah, two more seasons of Seidenberg and another season of Hayes. Yeah. No. Now, that said, um, we're to come down to it because there's only one year left on McQuaid's deal. He's a case of someone who you could consider it being reasonably justifiable not justified justifiable they are different things um to buy out although his buyout cap it next season would be considerable at 1.4 million but yeah. only but only um, 666,000 um the year after so similarly yeah now this is the year of the expensive part of the Zayden buyout right yeah this is the this is the over 2 million year Next year and the year after are um, uh, 1.167. Yeah, it's still bad enough. You can't That's do the lot, buyout. Yeah. Just like this is this year's the cheap year of the Hayes buyout. Next year, it's uh, almost 900000 All right, so you take Bolesky and you package up Zaboral or something and you just send him out. It's, you know, I'd say it's probably selling well on Zaboral, but realistically speaking, Zaboral's Zaboral. Not doing himself any favors. No. Um, I'm just saying, like, you 
pick whoever you want. Package him up with Bolesky. Maybe put a pick or two in there and send him out. Actually, you know who I would try to use for that sort of thing might be Zarnik because uh, yeah, he he's... will be a he'll be a t- unless he plays twenty five more games this season, which is not likely to happen. He's going to be a type six U- a group six UFA at the end of the year anyway, because he's twenty five in about two week in about a week and a half, and he will not have played eighty NHL games by the end of this year unless he plays unless he plays in twenty five more. So he only got fifty five games yet to date. Yeah, I, I hate to say it, I I think that I'm done with Zarnik too. I like Zarnik. I just I, I I like him. There's it's not it's not happening here. No, it's not. So you know what. You got to give him a chance to go somewhere else and, and make it, you know. You know what would be great is if he could go back to, like, the Red Wings or something. And uh, I'm not saying deal with the Red Wings. I'm just saying, like, if he could go back to the Red Wings, he could play for his hometown team, basically. I like those kind of stories. But anyway, my point is, is that pick pick whomever you want on the Providence roster or if there's somebody who's just not performing very well right now. Not performing and has had time to prove themselves previously. And will probably benefit that, somewhere else. Yeah, the guys that are rookies in Providence, I'm hesitant to send out because they're not performing. That would include Zaboral, yes. I know, but I just, you know what? I don't have a good feeling about Zaboral. I just don't. I, I, I agree. I saw, I've seen him play, saw him play a bunch of times in junior. He was a different player every single time. Yeah, he's that's... he's inconsistent. Isn't that one of the um, the things on him? Is that he's inconsistent? He's inconsistent. He gives up uh, gives up on plays. He takes incredibly leisurely line changes. Oh, good God! <laughs> yeah, let's not do that. I don't care. Package Coco or Arneson or somebody. Your the rights that you have to people, the nebulous rights. Just well, whatever you have to do to get someone to take on Bleski's uh, last two years. Yeah. Yeah, Bolesky is a can be a fun player, but now even if he was playing better than he is, it would have to be a lot better to justify playing him and his salary over a large number of unambiguously better rookies. Mm. Mm. Even just a little better wouldn't cut it. Come on, Colorado, you want him? Come on, Colorado. Come on, Arizona. It. Colorado's got a lot of money to play with next year. Just saying. <laughs> Come on, Colorado, you can do it. Yes, 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 yes. Calgary, come on. I don't know what your money situation is, but, you know, Truculence and Punchy Face, he does that. Take him. I I don't know. Vancouver, come on, Benning. You're still there, right? Come on, we can make a deal. Let's go, you guys. Yeah, Jim Benning, you're not smart. You can do this. <laughs> Maybe don't open it to open the negotiations that way, but, you know. I'm sure something. that Don Sweeney can open them better than that. This is why you don't negotiate for the Bruins. So I think there, there's got to be a place for him. And and McQuaid, I'm, I'm telling you, Edmonton, Edmonton, Edmonton. I'm telling you, they'll find a way. Three yeah. team trade. Let's do it. Just not with Poyle. Just because it actually happened, it doesn't mean it's something that happens. <laughs> 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 and that, again, it's something that made marginally more sense in my head than it sounded. Okay. <laughs> I don't. I don't care how it gets done. Just get it done. I. I. I guess the thing is that I don't see Bleski just fitting in here anymore. I don't see him improving, and he's not getting the time to do any of that stuff. If you're not going to give him the time to kind of work it out on the ice, and they really can't, I understand, yep. because right now they're trying to just hold a spot in the East. 
and that's the thing. We don't have a lot of breathing room because no one from the Atlantic is getting a, is getting a wild card spot this year. No, no, no. It's going to the Metropolitan, so you just don't have that room. <laughs> and I think that's the thing, is that we just don't have the room to let people work out uh, or work through their injuries. And, you know, that could be the same thing with, with McQuaid. Now, I do want to say one thing about an injury thing, just more of like an aside, and then we can go from there. David Backus is back in the lineup and are you totally fucking frightened that he's gonna burst his colon and die yes okay that yes. said um he lost okay he's clearly lost quite a bit of weight through because yes. of surgery Did but you he's see... got so much but he's got so much jump in his game right now so maybe like, that was a good thing yeah i don't know i'm just like i'm just like i i i don't know what to think here i don't think this is i can't imagine this is a good idea that he's playing but Kind of like the juice he's got going right now. When they, so... first, when they <laughs> first started talking to him after he started practicing again, like you look at his face and there's just like, it. it he's like really, there's a lot of like um, mass loss there. Well, you could always tell that his face would, his cheekbone, because his cheekbone structure would lend itself to his face being fairly hollow. So it, it didn't, wouldn't even necessarily take much mass loss to make it look really bad. <laughs> He's got a longish face with highish cheekbones, which means it's going to lend itself to some seriously um, uh, hollow-looking cheeks. But very square. He's got yeah. a very square jaw, too. So it's like, uh, yeah, he, I just looked at him and was like, oh my god, he looks so gaunt. You know what I mean? But it's just like, if it's working for him, that's great, but I'm just, I, you know what? I think, and I'm going to say this is a very girly thing right now, okay? I'm just going to, girl alert, girl alert, girl alert. I was reading um, something about his wife the other day, like uh, basically uh, it was um, on Twitter. Uh, he he had posted it, so I read it, and about his wife being um, a hockey wife, basically. And she used to play too. So she used to play in beer leagues before she started having kids. I don't know if she's had baby, uh, second baby Bacchus yet, or if she's due sometime soon, because I don't know when the picture was taken. But he's got another baby Bacchus either right now or on the way so don't burst your colon david don't yeah he had, he had 10 inches of colon removed yeah like um that's a lot yeah large intestines only six feet yeah that's not fun that's not yeah, good it doesn't take that much more being removed for you to have to have, need to have a colostomy bag yeah it's almost a foot it's it's almost a sixth of it it was removed so look i just i don't I don't want him to feel ill effects, but he said the doctors cleared him and I'm not a doctor. And I'm just, I'm like, when I saw him slide down into the goal because he lost an edge yesterday, I was like, no, please don't do that, David. Ah. <laughs> uh, yes. So please, David, don't do that. Don't get hurt. Don't burst your colon. Please don't die. Okay. That's all I have to say. I'm just shocked. He's back a month early, and I'm just like, ugh. I mean, I wasn't going to feel good if he came back on time either. I was going to be the same way, but now I have to feel it like a month earlier, and ah. Uh, it's I'm ridiculous. Gonna, I'm going to feel the anxiety for other people, okay? That's my job. My job is to feel the anxiety. If you needed to know why I need to stay off social media for the most part, it's because I feel everybody's anxiety. Ah, oh, poor, ugh. I, I guess I hope it's working. Please, please. There we go. Um, yeah. <laughs> Ridiculous. I know you're the wrong person to ask. Was baby Bergie born? I don't know. 
I haven't seen anything. I know baby Margie was born, and I don't know when. All these babies. I'm really, I'm very bad at being a woman. Sorry. Okay, anyway, end of girl alert. <laughs> I wonder if that should be a feature each week. Girl alert, girl alert, girl alert. <laughs> oh, my God! oh, glitter! <laughs> Pretty it's pictures. A, on the matter of Blisky, I saw a tweet from, from, from Emily Benjamin. She said that three years ago she had the same surgery. And cannot imagine how someone could possibly be pl- be back playing already. Oh, you mean uh, Bacchus? You said Bolesky, but that's okay. Yes, Bacchus, yes. Okay, yeah. Um, wow, that sucks. But uh, uh, yeah, I um, that's that's the thing. I I have always understood that surgery to be difficult. Yeah, the eight week prediction always seems unrealistic to me, and yet here he is back like three weeks later. Three weeks! Oh my god, that's right. It wasn't even like a full month. He was skating at like two and a half almost. Oh my god. Like, this this is Patchy already being back like 12 days after an appendectomy level of ridiculous. <laughs> there were a bunch of players that year who had appendectomies. But most of them, you know, took a pro- the appropriate amount of time to come back. But Patchy already was um, strangely quick. <laughs> To the point where there was a, law, a meme running there for a while. He was Wolverine and had a healing factor. <laughs> there, he came back awfully quick after, you know, the stanchion broke his neck. So, mm. Well, oh, <sighs> God, oh, I guess he drank a lot of milk. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I gotta tell you, I, I just, I think that part of it is just like, uh, I think about how a normal person would deal with this stuff. Right? Not an athlete. Not somebody who's afraid of losing their job to injury. You know, I'm thinking about normal things where it would be hard for anybody, even just having an an office job, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Right? Then I think about, like, well, certain Bruins with certain injuries that have been nagging for a while and the doctors who are clearing them to play. I'm not saying that the Bruins have bad doctors, but what I'm saying is, Krejci probably shouldn't have played through one injury and he was advised to do it, right? So I just, I get a little iffy. Yeah, yeah, Krejci could have had that hip surgery, which, mind you, of course, he'd had the other hip surgery years earlier. You know, he could have had it like two years earlier than, earlier than he had it, and then... Been fine. Or, or how long did Marshan play with that fucked up wrist? He played through, like, he, he played, like, I think the injury happened during the freaking Hab series in 2014, and he didn't have that surgery until after the 16 season or something like that. And for, no, for over a year after that. So he played the entire 14-15 season with his wrist still fucked up. Mm-hmm. He still scored a lot of goals that year, didn't he? I mean, Brad always scores a lot of goals. Right, but it, it probably hurt. Um, and he probably could have done better. I, uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like three weeks was too little. But I, I'm not a doctor. I just play one on this podcast. So, But yes, I find a way to trade Bolesky. And wave the other guys. Let's go. And I don't know what you're going to do with... Oh, Adam McQuaid's going to Edmonton, according to what I, I said earlier in the year. So we'll find a way. Yeah. Maybe, like, send them both for things. Let's bring back Patrick Maroon. Then he won't be our problem against us. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> you don't do that for somebody you see two times a year. <laughs> okay. I think... Uh, Yes, uh, schedule for this week, huh? Yeah, I don't even know what it is, so it's a surprise to me. Hey, surprise! <laughs> uh, okay. 
Well, listeners, the Bruins uh, schedule this week, it's they've got the good, they've got the bad, and they've got the beautiful. They open the week with the beautiful, visiting the Nashville Predators tomorrow night. That's Monday, December 4th, 8 p.m. Eastern. The nice, beautiful boys and Yossi and P.K. Subban. Well, yeah. Um, I will say that um, this week on Tuesday, Preds were playing the Blackhawks, and we weren't watching the game because I didn't think about watching that game on Tuesday. But uh, Glenn accidentally turned to it, or purposely, I don't know. And it was beautiful, and within minutes, Roman Yossi scored a power play goal against the Blackhawks. It was beautiful. And they talked to him after the game. My heart was all aflutter. Man, oh man, that guy... He is beautiful. I thought you were saying you take the good, you take the bad, you take them all, and you, there you have the facts of life. And I'm like, yep. <laughs> uh, do you want to? Do you want to hear the good and the bad? Or I guess in the order it's going to be is the bad and then the good. Um, Thursday, visiting in Boston, uh, Arizona Coyotes. <laughs> Yes, folks, the bad is coming to town 7 p.m. at the TD Garden on Thursday, December 7th. And then, 7 p.m. Saturday, the 9th, the good visiting the Johnny Boychuk and Dennis Zeidenberg's New York Islanders. Mm. Mm. I miss them. This is going to be an emotional week for VA. <laughs> it is. <laughs> yeah. uh, Roman Yossi to start it off. Man, oh man, I forgot and then about close, that. And then, cl- and then closing it out with Johnny. With Johnny and my dream husband. <laughs> or as I should say, my husband in my dream that one time. He never wore a shirt. <laughs> it was beautiful. Yes, I was married to Dennis Zeidenberg. I don't understand how that happened either. We started a war. It was great. I mean, we didn't mean to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's gonna be a, it's it's gonna be a, a rough week for me. I think, but got some eye candy to start, so that's not so bad. I kind of wish. I we had thought about going down to the game in Nashville you know, instead of going out west and whatever. But I think ultimately, even though they were shitty on the road this or earlier this season, for good reason, uh, and we've already been to Bridgestone, we decided not to do that. I think, I, you know what? I don't think I would ever go to a Bruins game at Bridgestone because I want to enjoy the Preds there. Yeah, I get the impression that being a visiting fan is probably not probably not one of the more pleasant arenas to be a visiting fan in. No, Nick told us they weren't, you know, and actually I was, I was there rooting for the Preds and I had problems with a fan. So I don't know. Probably better than being a visiting fan in Philadelphia though. Oh God. Do you know? I'm instantly rather proud of this yesterday after the uh, goal got, after the Giroux goal got waved off. My tweet right after was, and here come the batteries. (laughs) (laughs) 
I was almost disappointed in them for not throwing batteries at the refs. I'm like, Philly, you're you're, you're slipping, boys. (laughs) You can go on YouTube and find any number of things that Philly fans have thrown onto the ice or onto the fields or wherever, right? That was basically... I mean, Buffalo um, uh, and the Bills fans have it because they throw in dildos, but... uh... Or rather, or probably one van's thrown dildos on two separate occasions, most likely. But It's such a shame because you don't even want to touch those after. Because you don't know where they've been. <laughs> anyway, um, you know, there is actually, a, somebody wrote a book about the, the uh, about Philly fans and the things that they throw during um, games. I don't remember the name of the author, but you can look it up on YouTube. Uh, he and uh, I think Ray Didinger. Had a, uh, they were talking about the original Santa Claus incident where uh, the fans threw snowballs at the Santa who came onto the field. Uh, basically how it started was the, the person they hired to come out during the, the festival, during the halftime, he never showed up because it had snowed a foot the, night, the day before, the night before. The fans came to the, um, to the uh, stadium. At that point, it was bleacher seating and nobody had shoveled anything. So they had to shovel their own way into their seats and onto their seats and sit on these cold things that had snow sitting on them all night. And then they saw one guy out in the, uh, in the crowd who was 17 years old. He happened to dress like Santa. That was his thing. That was, that's what he did at this, the Eagles games. This is back in 1967. I don't know if I told you that, but anyway, um, so they asked him to come out onto the field and play the part of Santa for that. He was already dressed for it. Why not? They hucked snowballs at him. And that was the beginning of it. It w- it became like tradition. Now they throw batteries. So great. Those Philly fans, stay classy. <laughs> yeah. So, well, what were we talking about? <laughs> we got back into Philly somehow. It oh, had been fans. from being a visiting fan in Nashville is probably unpleasant. Yeah. So anyway, this week, um, in order, the, the beautiful, the bad, and then the good. <laughs> the Isles are fine. <laughs> you know, it doesn't stop their fans from complaining about them, though. Like, they're complaining about them like they're really shitty. And I'm just like, you guys are doing fine. I was like, they're, they are in one of the, the wild card draws on a, in a very tough division. Um, keeping in mind that, you know, their first non-playoff team currently has more points than the um, third-place team in our division. Right. We're all struggling in this Northeast, except for Tampa. They're doing fine. And in Toronto. You know. And Toronto. Mm, screw them. Well, we've already played them twice, so... And to be fair, Bruins were actually better in both games. They got fucking rough deals in there, but... Uh... <laughs> the plague of injuries. Indeed. So, yes. All right. Well, actually, this should be a pretty interesting uh, week of hockey. So it's like Monday, Wednesday, and Saturday. Is that what it is? Or Monday, Thursday, and Saturday? Um, that was Monday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I can totally It's see. a nice spread, actually, too, and they're all they're all evening games, although I do kind of like the, uh, the Saturday. I loved having yesterday with some matinee. Yep. Because then I went out and saw Moosehead uh, play a really good game against uh, against Valdor as well. So it was a good day for hockey for me. But We just got our yelling about hockey over early. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. And we could go for the afternoon walk. That was that was it for us. Uh, um, uh, or, yeah. Oh, God. What was I going to say? I was going to say one thing about that. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I'm glad that it's not like we have a game on Sunday and we don't have anything until Thursday, so that's fine. Uh, and I can't believe I suggested that it was a Wednesday night game. And I'm like, yep, that Wednesday night rivalry game of um, the Coyotes at the Bruins. Yep, never has there been a more heated... I can't even continue on this path because it's not real. Um, although, you did say something about how... This was before we started the show, too. Yeah. Actually. People were complaining about, were ridiculing, it's like, oh, Boston, Tampa, that old rivalry is like, but it was almost exclusively non-Boston or Tampa fans I saw complaining about it. It's like, no, no this, this is definitely a rivalry. That That's a rivalry. That These teams, these teams have history. It's not, you know, a rough and tumble fight each other history, but there's definitely history. These teams played one of the best playoff series I've ever seen in 2011. And... Um, and- we're talking about in the same division. Yeah, it's not like, you know, uh, uh, not even kidding. This is the thing that's happened to Bruins Wilds rivalry game. Yeah. Seriously, that's not a rivalry night. This is a valid rivalry. They play each other four to five times a year. It's always tough to get through the game for either team. You know, the Bruins tend to have the upper hand lately. But, you know, when Steven Stamkos is back in the in the lineup... Anything can happen. So it's like, this is a rivalry. This is, they, they have a history with each other. Okay, so it's not an original six. Who cares about that anymore? Do we really care about that? The league wants us to, even though the entire concept of the original six is kind of horseshit. It's whatever team survived the collapse of, the, of some of the starter teams at the end of, in the late 30s. And so really it's the six teams that existed from 1940 until 1967. Fine. That's still original six in some well, respect. That, that's what they call original six. So yes, but the concept is well, just flawed. Uh, <laughs> just stop it. It's the teams that survived that became the original six or something. Whatever. I can't believe that there were just six teams for the longest time. How yeah, boring a, must have that have been for them? I mean, there's you know, I mean, there were some you know, truly legendary players there that kept it interesting. That's when you had you know your Milts and your. And your your Richards and your and your Gordy Howes and so forth, but still, stand against evil. We saw the finale. It was um, I think it was last week, but we saw it this week. And it's the show with uh, John C. McGinley, who used to be Doctor Cox, right? In the last episode um, of the season, there was like uh, there was like a, a supernatural being that was. Uh, basically projecting whatever your good memory is and and this thing is killing or trying to kill his daughter right and he pictures Gordy Howe whacking at her with a (laughs) hockey stick (laughs) I like how they keep on brand with him you know he's if there's hockey and if hockey's involved he's picturing something Red Wings related right right well he's Dr. Cox was a Wings fan yeah (laughs) well I mean he's best friends with like Chris Chelios so that Chris Chelios is best friends with a lot of people. Chris Chelios, he's also Chris Chelios is also best friends with like um with uh, Eddie Vedder and like Pete Rose. So <laughs> okay, first of all, so Chris Chelios is best friend slut. That's all. It's okay. You can be slutty like that. It's fine, right? But um, like apparently there was like this whole Malibu like uh, basketball brigade, and it was like. Yeah, or a bunch of people who used to play basketball with each other, and it was like uh, Gabrielle Reese and her husband, and uh, Chris Chelios and McGinley and John Cusack, <laughs> because they're also really good friends, or if not best friends, so whatever. 
This is kind of <laughs> going up. This <laughs> is barely on topic. Anyway. <laughs> there are still hockey players involved in this discussion. <laughs> there are. There are. <laughs> All right. So we, we've talked about the schedule. It is time for Bear Necessities. Okay. So um, I'm trying this thing where I don't drink alone during the week because I was doing too much of that. <laughs> okay. Um, so probably Dasani fizzy water. Um, <laughs> I understand that. You know what? I know you don't get this up there, but Polar makes a nice um, seltzer water. Um, yeah, I wish we had Polar up here. I know. They have uh, one that is a cranberry cider. It is nice. I may end up coming back up with a truck full of Polar after after the holidays. And they have um, one that is a lime and ginger mule. And I haven't tried it yet. I bought it for mostly for Glenn. Um, but uh, I bet it's probably really good. Remember that time I got the Irish coffee one? <laughs> That's such an awful idea. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I got an Irish coffee one. I'm going to take a sip. Oh, my God, it's terrible. I'm going to pour it down the drain. <laughs> It was the worst one. I, they've never come out with that one again. But they've come out with some pretty good ones. So, Seltzer Waters. I'm a fan of them, um, even without alcohol. And good for you for not drinking too much by yourself. Yeah, I haven't, you know, scratched the drinking by myself on weeknight, weekends. But if I'm not doing it on weekday, weeknights, I figure that counts as progress. Right. Um. That's fine. <laughs> That's fine. You know, one of the ways that you can not have a problem like an alcohol problem is mm. by kind of examining what you're doing and cutting back. That's fine. Yeah. Not that I'm a counselor or anything, or do I have a, an alcohol problem? I, I don't remember the last time. Oh, Thanksgiving. That was the last time I had something to drink. So, you know, <sighs> Timmy. So uh, let me guess. It's going to be, um, night. You're sick. <laughs> it's a steady dose of, Ginger ale, water, airborne, chloroseptic throat lozenges, and uh, this awful Tylenol cold and flu. Mm. So they still make the, the the chloroseptic throat lozenges, huh? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen those in forever. Yeah, good old wildberry flavor. Well, that's better than they used to be. So they these actually work really well. I do... I do like them. But yeah, so that's that's what I'm going to be doing. They used to make chloroseptic in a spray, and they probably still do, but I could never open my mouth wide enough to get it to the back of my throat. So I would just spray my tongue. It would be numb. The sprayer on those was so weird. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it wasn't just me. Because I literally have to unhinge my jaw to get back there. You had to, you had to, you had to you had python that shit, huh? <laughs> Well, you know, uh, I was sorted into Slytherin, so. I remember that episode. I was upset about my results, too. <laughs> I know you, you, you weren't, but we did, yeah, you ended up Slytherin and expected to be Ravenclaw. I ended up Gryffindor and, bought, and expected to be Ravenclaw. I was not happy, yeah, it was not happy about it, which is weird because Gryffindor is probably supposed to be, you know. The good house. The good house to, 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 to draw into, but. Uh, I wanted to I be Ravenclaw. Ravenclaw, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, it's like you're smart. Boom. And since it's the brainy house, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, somehow I got in there. I don't know how. No, I got into, boom, you're evil. The good news is, is you know, is uh, none of us got into the participant ribbon house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
of Hufflepuff. <laughs> you know, I still haven't told my best friend that I got sorted into Slytherin yet. I don't know how she's going to take it because I'm pretty sure she's Gryffindor. But anyway. Okay, so what am I going to do for embarrassing necessities? I don't know. I really don't. What I've been doing, what I've been watching games is most of the time I have to write up some kind of recap. So I've been, my bare necessity has been my beautiful MacBook Pro. It helps me put everything together and whatnot. I also have my dog sitting next to me all the time. She sleeps next to me during games, except for yesterday. I think she was near Glenn the whole time. So I don't know what my bare necessity is. I, maybe I should start drinking for both of you. I mean, you could do that, but... That'd be a lot, though. I, I, I'd recommend against it. Yeah, that'd be quite a bit. Yeah, I'm not I'm not that much of a drinker anymore. I told you when I went to uh, Vegas, I realized that my, my relationship with alcohol had changed. And that didn't stop me from having three cocktails at Craft Steak that night. But, man, they were just so good. So, anyway, yeah. So, it's something. I feel like I'm letting people down. But uh, I'm not. It's okay. So now here we go to the final, final part of the show. I just wanted to say that uh, we're putting out an episode this week and uh, we'll be recording next week on the 10th and then on the 17th. And then we're going to take a two week break. So we will not be recording on the 24th or the 31st because plans, everybody's everywhere, holidays, things like that, you know, whatever word you want to put in there. That's how it is. And uh, we're also not going to do our annual tradition of a special show for the Christmas thing because it's been hard enough to schedule people to be on every week this year, <laughs> this season. Which is interesting. You'd think with a, with, with reduced um, uh, individual show attendance, we wouldn't have that problem. But here we are. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's been hard enough to do that. I don't think I could get all five of us at one time. So I'm just going to probably repost the Bruin Leewed game because uh that is a i think that was pretty much the gold standard <laughs> i don't know the uh the bruin christmas story there was pretty good <laughs> yeah but we didn't do that at christmas we did that like if the bruins failed to make the playoffs which they did yeah that, that, was, yeah, that, that was a very specific to right then show <laughs> true yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I mean, you just want people to hear you say... Probably not. <laughs> oh, and I see that's not part of the um, intro anymore. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's how it is. So, so basically, I just wanted to let people know when they could expect uh, episodes and such. So, and when we wouldn't be recording. And it'll be nice to have a break and then get back to it and be excited about it again. These are why we do these things. And then Jeff's going to be out a whole bunch, like, at the beginning part of the year, because he has to go... Prospecting for gold. (laughs) Better than what we said before about miners. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not children. Like, actual, like, people who, like, prospect for gold. I I am not Roy Moore. Um... (laughs) That's good. Glad to hear it. (laughs) you can listen to us on soundcloud which you're probably already doing right now on itunes google play stitcher stitcher some other things Uh wherever your favorite podcasts are found oh boy (laughs) okay sure and uh you can talk to us at 
Um, barely barely on topic. On topic. <laughs> yeah, why don't you just go ahead and do it? I'm just gonna. Yeah. Talk to us at Barely on Topic on Twitter, or um, uh, if you're if you're so inclined and a bit of a masochist, our individual um, uh, uh, Twitter accounts. Um, in my case, at Doctor Hand Grenade. Um, I'm at Barely on Topic right now. I'm not using my personal one. I'm still on oh, my. Right. I'm at Tim A. Richardson. Your old one was easier. <laughs> you can also reach out to us. At Barely on Topic podcast on Facebook. Okay, so uh, I think that's the show. Really? Is there anything else that people can anywhere else? Uh, I think it's all the things, yeah. It's all the things. Timmy, take us out. Word. <laughs>